Okay, so shalom, right? Having enough, more than enough. It's about wellness. It's about wholeness. It's about well-being. It's about no missing pieces, right? Um, It's about not just the absence of conflict, but I love, I absolutely love what Tim Mackey, and we've been reciting this, but just the back end of what he writes, uh, he says here, when two rival nations experience shalom, right? In Hebrew, shalom means peace, but it's so much more than the absence of conflict. He says, when two rival nations experience shalom, they don't simply stop fighting. That's a wonderful thing to stop fighting. Put your weapons down, right? It's not just that they stop fighting. They start working together for each other's benefit. I love that picture. You know, just for a minute, if we could stop and step back and say, when the kingdom of God is advancing in the world, great things happen for all of humanity. We need the kingdom of God to come. Our hope is not in government. Our hope is not in political leaders or political ideologies. Our hope is in the king over the kingdom. And when his kingdom comes and his will is done on the earth, rival nations don't fight. They actually work together for everyone's common good. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture of what it means to experience the shalom of God. And shalom also includes healing broken relationships. If you've ever had a fractured relationship, you know how um, out of sorts things can be internally. There's a sense in which the, the, the rightness of life is sort of evasive in some way. It's missing. And, and when we are experiencing the shalom of God, it's possible that two people who have parted ways can be reconciled again. And so that's a very important idea for us because today we're going to talk about choosing forgiveness. Now, you can choose forgiveness and not experience reconciliation. Uh, but I can promise you this, without forgiveness, you'll never experience reconciliation, right? You can choose forgiveness and not experience reconciliation for lots of reasons. In fact, I can unpack this a little bit later, for some, in some situations, forgiveness is the end of the experience because reconciliation would be unwise. It could be actually harmful. And so forgiveness is, it precedes reconciliation, but doesn't necessarily um, guarantee that it will happen. And so we're going to spend some time talking about forgiveness today. We're going to watch a video, just a brief one for three minutes, a little bit later, that I hope will leave you inspired. It's a different kind of approach to forgiveness that should leave you feeling, oh, I'm hungry and thirsty for that kind of experience of forgiveness. Um, But before we get to that, would you stand with me if you're able? And we're going to recite our passage to ponder. And these are the words of Jesus. He says in John 14, again, if you're new to us, we recite this passage together. So if you're comfortable, would you read it so that your neighbor can hear your voice? So let's read together. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. So, um, in Hebrew, it's shalom, where we get this idea of peace. In the New Testament, the Greek word is irene. It's the same idea for peace. Uh, Those ideas in the biblical language are very, very um, compatible. And so, Jesus is speaking in Aramaic, but the biblical writers are recording this for us in Koine Greek, and so we have this idea of arene, which is peace, shows up in this passage as Jesus speaks to his disciple friends. 
Um, forgiveness is not easy. If you've ever tried to do it, if you've experienced a severe disappointment or a serious wound to your own soul, you know that it can be a very challenging thing to do, to choose, literally. And, uh, but one thing that is true is that we will have many opportunities to practice this, right? Unfortunately, the way life goes, you and I will have many opportunities to try to get it right. And uh, we will grow into it. And it's an exercise. It's almost like a muscle that we need to continually uh, develop and use because life happens. And uh, so three points, three thoughts for you to consider today. And the first one is this. We will have many opportunities to learn how to forgive others. Now, Jesus had tremendous insight. He knew, he knows humans to the core. And so um, when he was talking with his disciple friends, um, and they asked him a question, they said, teach us how to pray. He taught them, in some circles it's the Our Father, in some circles it's the Lord's Prayer. But the prayer goes something like this, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Right? This is the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. And right in this prayer, we see that when it comes to being human, part of our core experience is that we were made to worship. And so we say, hallowed be your name. Right? And this idea of we need daily bread. We need our daily provisions. Jesus teaches us to ask for them. Um, For the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of Jesus to come. For the will of God, we want the will of God in the world. We may not be aware of it, but that's what we want. We want the will of God on earth as it is in heaven to be our experience in the here and now. And then he says, forgive us our debts. But he doesn't just say, forgive us our debts and stop. As we forgive our debtors. The connection Jesus makes is this. Those of us who understand that we have an outstanding debt with God, we go to him and ask for his mercy. And then literally in the next breath or in the same breath, he says, as we forgive our debtors. Here's how it works, according to Jesus. And he doesn't stop there. He continues. In just a moment, we'll read some more of it. But he says, those who are in the forgiven community, it's the most natural thing or supernatural thing for them to do, which is to forgive others. It's what they do. They're not scorekeepers. They're not into punishment. They actually cancel debts. It's who they are. It's what they do. And he continues after the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you. Jesus doesn't say if they sin against you, when they sin against you. You can expect it. People are going to sin against you. When they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That passage is pretty sobering, isn't it? At a first glance, it seems to be that if I don't do this, I won't get that. In other words, I better do it or else it's going to be withheld from me. I took a Sermon on the Mount course with one of my favorite Bible teachers, John Stott, a number of years ago. It was, done, um, it was done by distance learning, so I was listening to all of his lectures out of Chicago. It was amazing. He says, to understand what Jesus is saying here is this. People who understand the depth of their forgiven status in Christ, it's what they do. They just forgive other people. 
It's when we have forgotten how much we've been forgiven that we withhold forgiveness from others. And so once you have tasted and seen that God is incredibly merciful and he cancels debts, we run around and we cancel debts too. This is what John Stott is saying Jesus is really getting at. It's two sides to the same conversation. We are receivers and givers of forgiveness. That's who we are as a Christian community. I believe this. Jesus says it himself. The world will know that you are my followers or my disciples by your love for one another. I also believe that we will be a wonderful witness to the world when we are one, when we are unified. And I also believe that we will be wonderful witnesses to the world around us when we practice the holy vocation of forgiving one another. It is a beautiful gift that we give to the other, but most importantly, we give to ourselves. It actually is somewhat of a selfish act to forgive someone because you let yourself go from the prison of resentment. If you and I stay trapped in a state of unforgiveness, you know what happens to our soul? It gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Our heart becomes harder and harder and harder. When we choose to forgive others, we let ourselves go from the prison of our own making, which has bars of resentment, so to speak, that keep us trapped. So, um, worship, the will of God, daily provision of food, forgiveness of sins, and the need to forgive others is central to the prayer that Jesus taught his friends to pray. One of our adversaries' primary tactics in the world is this, to create a fence in your life, deep wound that you choose not to let go of. And even in the Christian community, this happens. This is why I know this is true is there's something about our life that becomes very confining and very small when we're trapped in a place of unforgiveness. We miss the shalom of God. It doesn't come to us in its fullness because we're somewhere else. There's a missing piece, so to speak, and it's unforgiveness. We have kept it in our heart against others. But when Jesus prays, he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Isn't it interesting that Jesus goes right to temptation and the work of the evil one right after this call or invitation for us to be forgiving people? So maybe when we're experiencing trespass and transgression and all sorts of hurts and violations and offense, maybe it's not just the person who's wounding, but maybe there's a little agenda and a tactic to trip us up and to keep us trapped. Freedom comes from forgiveness. Always remember that. Freedom comes from forgiveness received by God or by us from God, and then extended to others. We're inhaling it, and we're exhaling it. It's what we do. This is what it means to be the people of God. Now, can I kind of drill down here a little bit into talk about us? If you are in the building today, but don't number yourself as a Jesus-following person, that's okay. We're super glad you're here. Uh, but what I'm talking about now is principles that helps everyone, but for the most part, going to talk about Christians, because Paul was writing to Christians. Jesus was addressing the community of faith, the brothers and sisters. And I just want to kind of drill down a little bit more and talk a bit about how we relate to each other. So here's Jesus. Remember, we're going to have many opportunities to choose to learn how to forgive. He says in Matthew 18, and this is in the message, he says, if a fellow believer hurts you, it's probably going to happen. If a fellow believer hurts you, ever been hurt by another Christian person before? If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him. Be honest. Remember we read today, don't lie to each other. Go and talk with him or her. Work it out between the two of you. Have a good, honest conversation. Don't be mean-spirited. 
Don't, you know, get into yelling and anger and all that stuff. Just, you know, be self-regulated and have a meaningful, honest conversation. Work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. If he won't listen, take one or two others along. Not to shame him, but for accountability. Take uh, two others along so that the presence of witnesses will keep things honest. And then try again. Keep trying. If he still won't listen, tell the church. Well, that's not standing up here on Sunday morning and telling everybody, by the way, Bill cut me off in the parking lot. I talked to him twice. He wouldn't apologize. I brought a couple buddies over. He told me off. So, Bill, stand up. Get up here. We're going to, right? That's not what's going on here. This is about having a conversation with spiritual leaders in the congregation so that we can manage it and, and pastor the moment and do it, do it well. If you won't listen to the church, you'll have to start over from scratch. Still not listening. Well, don't give up. Keep going. He says you have to start over, over from scratch. Confront him with the need for repentance and offer again God's forgiving love. This is what we do. We're just persistent in seeking out uh, an opportunity to forgive, and where there's been wound, seek out healing. It's good for us when that happens. And, and remember this, um, the New Testament principle, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, as much as it depends on you. Sometimes you can do all the right things, and someone's going to straight arm you. And it's like, okay, you know what? I tried. I did this repeatedly. I made an effort. I'm going to now just surrender this and give this to God and give this person to God. As much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And then Paul, uh, Colossians 3. Therefore, as God, Remember, he's writing to Christians here. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. All these characteristics and attributes help us, right? Um, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Let's put a period there for just a second. How did the Lord forgive you? <laughs> like entirely, right? He didn't forgive a few things and say, well, you know, I'll pardon those, but these, no. Forgave from beginning to end, right? Past, present, future, you're pardoned. You can go free. The penalty of sin has been absorbed into Jesus himself. The written code against you has been canceled. Your debt has been paid. Pastor Dave, I can forgive this and this, but you know what? He did that. Yeah, that's painful. Deeply, deeply painful. That, that must leave an indelible wound on you. That is something I feel so badly that you had to experience. I can only imagine what that would be like for you, to walk through life with that kind of experience. That, that will probably never, ever leave you the same, will it? No. It's, uh, that's, that's a nasty wound. Inexcusable. Not, not acceptable, but forgivable, right? It is forgivable. We'll unpack a little bit more about what that looks like in just a few moments, but forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You get this feeling, remember, the enemy's tactic, separate, divide, disunity, when we choose forgiveness, we're out in front of him. We're defeating him. We're beating him at his game. We're choosing to pardon, cancel debts, and then unity emerges. Wonderful. It's wonderful. It's the way the kingdom of God is supposed to work. All right, so we're going to have lots of opportunities. People hurt each other. And you shouldn't expect, can I just, if you're new to church, new to Christian faith, and you're in here and you're thinking, hey, you know what? These people are imperfect. I can see that. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we are. We're imperfect. Pastors don't always get it right. People don't always get it right. 
Sometimes they make mistakes. Sometimes they do it deliberately and intentionally, actually, because they still have a sin nature that has not been fully eradicated yet. It's like a gravitational pull inside of everyone, every one of us, including the redeemed. So don't expect heaven in the church. That would be an awkward amen moment, wouldn't it? Don't expect heaven in the church. But it's true, isn't it? Don't come here and expect that this should be like literally just at the edges of the gates, you know? You can almost hear Peter or the angels, or right? These are people, real people, still wrestling with stuff, still figuring things out, still having rough edges to their personalities, still barking on occasion. And we just love each other the best we can. We're learning that. So that's what we say around here. We're learning what it means to follow Jesus. Hopefully, we're growing and resembling him more and more and more, but we're all learning. So if you get offended inside the church, don't let the evil one, the adversary, push you out of the doors for decades. Every now and then that'll happen, right? Somebody will have a wound, and it's like, I got to just get out of this community. And, and you know what? There are situations and circumstances where sometimes a new community is necessary. But don't give up on the community of faith, right? We're flawed. We're not perfect. But Jesus is working in us, and it's a good thing. All right. Number two. I better sit down before I get too excited. Let's do that. Number two. When forgiveness is denied, resentment is fueled, and shalom is blocked. Um, okay, so first of all, what is forgiveness? This is a simply, uh, the best way I can explain it, it's a financial term. Think about it in terms of like a ledger. There's an outstanding debt at the bottom. I've said this many times before. You get your visa statement there. Whoa, I spent that money this past month? You owe us this. And if you don't pay it by this date, 18 or 23% or whatever it is, is going to be compound. You're going to pay this back. But the bank sends you a letter and says, by the way, your balance has been brought to zero. You owe us nothing. Or the mortgage company. Could you imagine that? You owe hundreds of thousands of dollars on your mortgage, and RBC sends you a letter and says, we, you know what? This is your lucky day. Don't bother paying us back another penny. Spend it on your family. Go on a trip. Do that. Right? Wouldn't that be amazing? We need to pray for RBC, Scotiabank, TD, <laughs> that the kingdom of God would come, right? The year of Jubilee would strike right here. Uh, Canceling debts. So that's really what forgiveness is, is all about. It's about canceling debts. And Peter, one day, uh, he thought he was being incredibly generous. He said, Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive my brother or my sister? And he doesn't even let Jesus answer. He says, seven times? Like, wow, seven times. Peter, you're amazing. You're so generous. Peter comes across like a very generous person. And, uh, and he asked this question about Jesus, and, uh, to Jesus. And Jesus had a very different answer. Um, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or my sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Remember, seven's a very important number. We'll unpack that in a second. Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, Peter. Seventy-seven times. Or in some translations, 70 times seven. It's a lot of times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. That's a big, big debt. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be, to be sold and to repay the debt. 
At this time, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him. There was empathy. We're going to come back to that in just a second. There was empathy and compassion. He took pity on him. He canceled the debt. He forgave the outstanding debt, and he let him go. But when that servant went out, who had a big debt canceled, who had his mortgage brought to zero, right? when he went and found someone, a fellow servant who owed him a hundred silver coins, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees, very similar response, fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers. You see the picture of the prison that's happening here? Handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. There is some form of incarceration that seems to happen when we don't do life God's way, when we don't choose forgiveness and freedom. Um, So, really quickly, what is forgiveness? It's canceling debts. It's a financial term. We bring the balance to zero. Should reconciliation be always expected? No, it should not always be expected. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it would be very unwise. Somebody who's in an abusive relationship They can forgive the abuser, but to go back in and be abused again is not a wise decision. Right? Are you with me on that one? Amen. Is justice to be ignored? Not at all. There are consequences to the choices we make. Justice is also an attribute of God. Justice matters. Are we invited or obligated to forgive? Yes. We are invited, and we are obligated. You don't need to pray, should I forgive my brother who sinned against me? The Lord told me not to forgive you. How does that work, right? Can I show you a video of a man, young man? His name is Brant Jean. Maybe you've seen this. He exercises Christian forgiveness. His brother was shot in a tragic experience by a police officer who had the wrong apartment address. And he's giving his, like, impact statement. And it's three minutes long. If we can get that queued up and press play, and I hope you'll be inspired by what you hear. Say twice or for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just, I hope you go to God with all what, all the guilt, all the things, the bad things you may have done in the past. Each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I I forgive you. And 
I know if you go to God and ask Him, He will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not gonna say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. not wild? you think that was easy for him to do? Not a chance. She did go to jail, and, uh, and he walked free. You know what I mean by that, right? He set himself free by choosing forgiveness and love, and he helped to set her free, too. One day, she will walk out of prison. This is 2019. I don't know where she is today, but he helped weaken the power of guilt and shame in her life. We get to do that for people. That was the kingdom of God right there. Rather than an impact statement that says, I hope you rot, right? I hope they throw away the key. I hope you never see the light of day. That was the kingdom of God. Beautiful. All right, one last thought here. Here it is. Forgiveness is often preceded by empathy. And the reason I can say this is because this is how Jesus demonstrated forgiveness from the cross, right? Matthew 23, when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. 
and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Jesus gives us tremendous insight there when he actually says, I know what's going on in a human heart, and he's moved by it, and he offers up this Father, forgive them prayer. I think we are more, we're better positioned to offer forgiveness to others when we step in with empathy, when we can feel the pain. Empathy requires that we seek to understand the experience and the pain of others. And uh, it's not always easy for us to do that. But when we can see people as humans, it's a, uh, it's a much easier movement toward canceling debts than using language that puts them in a different category. That person was like a monster. That person was you fill in the blank. That person is a human who failed, who has a story, a family that they've come from, all sorts of influences that have made them the people they are today. So empathy helps us step in and so that we can seek understanding, compassion, and offer, offer forgiveness. So, um, this teaching has been an invitation for you to go free and to choose to forgive. So, here's my big open-ended question for you that you can sit with. Who is it in your life that you haven't forgiven yet, but you need to, and you know you need to? For some of you, it might be somebody who's passed away and you can't even speak with them. For others of you, you probably don't need to speak to them, but you can still offer forgiveness. For others of you, you'll offer forgiveness and maybe reach out to somebody. But the shalom of God includes the vertical and includes the horizontal. When there is no missing piece between us and God, and we say yes to what Jesus has done on our behalf, and then we choose to move towards our neighbor so that we can have harmonious relationships with people and not be characterized by being out of sorts with them. Okay, I want to pray for you, and then I'm going to invite Avi uh, to come in just a moment, and he's going to give you a quick 30,000-foot view of what this adventure in Israel could look like for you in February of 2024, but let me pray for you. Uh, Father, thank you today for the gift of time together as a worshiping community. Thank you that you are incredibly gracious and kind, and you cancel debts. Thank you, Lord, that many of us in this room today know what it means for us to have our balance brought to zero because you have forgiven what's outstanding because of Christ. Thank you that Jesus took on our debt, that we are pardoned from our sins and transgressions, past, present, future. And Lord, for some of us, forgiving others is going to be incredibly hard work. But we pray that you would help us to have a clear and compelling vision to do it. Thank you that you're patient with us, even in our place of unforgiveness. You understand how hard it might be for us to do so, but you continue to lead us and prompt us and nudge us forward in this regard. So help us, Lord, to choose the noble way, the way that chooses or leads to canceled debts for others, as we have also had our debts canceled. And we pray this in the name of the one true God, who is always Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.